0: Hello, dear listener, and welcome to another episode of Everyone is Hot, the podcast that talks about your favorite stealth sex symbols and the film that turned you on to them. I'm Michael Stevens.
1: And I'm Shelley Brooks.
3: Oh, uh, and my- I- oh oh
0: sorry
1: <laughs> no go ahead no well, please there was a
3: pause <laughs> oh my god no we got no, <laughs> no our it was listen, the our
1: guest this week is so excited <laughs> we've got so much to talk about so listen we, <laughs> we are so excited to introduce our guest this week because he is uh just the best so sweet so smart such a great writer such a talented editor like michael Who are we going to be talking about this week?
0: Oh, clap, children! We got Mark Ash today.
3: Oh Oh.
1: Oh my god! Mark, Uh. I'm so excited you you came on. You pressed the button
3: twice. (laughs) Yes,
1: (laughs) we had to do double applause for Mm -hmm. you. Double
3: applause, absolutely. I'm so glad to finally uh, to have finally picked um, uh, an appropriate and uh, and and iconic. Sex Appropriate
1: symbol. is an understatement. Yeah. Oh my god, you like truly. If anyone understood the assignment yeah. in this podcast, yeah. it is fucking you, Jesus yeah. Christ. Yeah, which I leads think... us to <laughs> who are we going to be talking about and what movie are we going to be focusing on?
3: We are going to be talking about the sexiest man alive, Judd Hurts. Yes. And in his um, in his moment of triumph, on the cusp of his on the cusp of his uh, of of the of the Oscars, in which he is once again nominated for his role in Steven Spielberg's The Fablemans That's uh, so sick. With Kelly uh, Reichert's wonderful showing up, in which he is also fantastic coming out in spring. Um, Mm. America is absolutely apeshit. For project Hirsch. <laughs> oh, is <laughs> it <laughs> well, it's Mania. Well,
1: it's so interesting that you mentioned both of those movies cuz uh we're, our focus is going to be the Fablemans, but it, he really is having a kind of like renaissance right now, would you say?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think that there's such and a and a thing that I think that your um that your podcast has sort of is is, is, a, is a part of is this uh, is this awareness of like the wonderful diversity of of human thirst and this sort yeah. of like <laughs> awareness that charisma comes in all sorts of unexpected ways and you're somebody's type and it, yeah. there are just there are so many people in the world that yeah anybody like opinions that were once very marginal um even though they're still very marginal like Uh, can still be held by millions of people in a world in a world of
2: billions
3: (laughs) in a world of billions everyone is uh everyone has a constituency that is large enough to fill yankee stadium
1: (laughs) (laughs) it's so true (laughs) no and i i so something that we are going to discuss is that you pitched um judd hirsch in the fablemans but we'll also be talking about his other oscar nominated performance in ordinary people which i mean that's like a a big jump from like the time that ordinary people was made to him as you know the old man in the fablemans so like i i'm curious like you know what do you yeah like that age difference like does that like at all affect like your idea of his like desirability
3: his longevity is very aspirational to me Mm. i mean i think (laughs) that like and we're gonna even in even in his early roles he was an old jewish man and (laughs) now he is an incredibly as somebody who aspires to one day become an incredibly old jewish man i find him (laughs) to be such an aspirational figure him going on like talk shows at like at age eighty-seven, up past his bed still going
0: on talk shows. He yeah I
3: saw him on Late Night with Seth Meyers. He was doing oh shtick. He was talking about being involved in various television situations. He's, <laughs> I mean, he's yeah, got his, he's got oh. it down pat. He's he's <laughs> he's in, he's showing up in a Times profile, bantering with the waitress about <laughs> Have you? Do you remember? Did you read this in the Times profile of him? It's it's a wonderful anecdote that I've been telling oh everybody. God. There's a bit in it where like. When the waitress asked uh he asking he asked the waitress for coffee and she said black and he said, That's usually the color, isn't it? Like, <laughs>
2: yes, yes.
3: We can only dream Yo. we can only dream yeah. of someday being that old and that Jewish. God,
1: uh, yeah, that Michael is and I have talked about uh, you know, my my uncle's dad, who was kinda like my my de facto grandpa who lived to a hundred and one and yeah was you know holocaust survivor and he was still to the end of his days was like oh god i don't know all these people are so old here i cannot talk to anyone (laughs) (laughs) it's like brother you are 101
3: (laughs) oh yeah ashkenazi ashkenazi longevity is really inspiring um (laughs) jerry schatzberg is still introducing his movies uh around town (laughs) and he's looking great um it's it's, it's something it's, and I think that, you know, I think that people are really as, as we all sort of face our mortality and our obsolescence because the kids Mm. are coming up from behind and it's happening faster and faster. I think it's wonderful to, but, (laughs) but it's never too late to, um, become the person you were meant to be, who is the kind of person who is going to have little one-liners ready for the waitress which yes uh. if you want your coffee black like it's just <laughs> it's you can be nominated for an oscar at 87 and be very blasé about the whole thing and i think it's a really it's very it's just very exciting and inspiring for all of us i think
1: i agree well I on that note agree. if someone has not seen the fablemans michael could you tell us what the movie is about
0: Growing up in post World War ii era Arizona, young Sammy Fableman aspires to become a filmmaker as he reaches adolescence, but soon discovers a shattering family secret and explores how to how the power of films can help him see the truth my God. Mm, um mm, phew,
1: mm. look. So we steal these from IMDB, as the listeners know, and mm, the power of film. Is it about that? Or is it about how film mm. ruins your life?
0: <laughs> so much more. Oh, <laughs> so much more. Um I, I gotta say, this is a movie, Shelly, that you have watched how many times?
1: I think it is six times. Six point. times, <laughs> okay.
0: People who haven't seen this movie, this movie is two hours and thirty minutes long, it and lies. it is worth. It is worth it every lies. damn minute.
1: Oh my god! Yes, because okay. So I think the first oof. time I saw Alone, second time was on a date. Yes, third time was with my mom and my grandma, <laughs> and I think the Amazing. rest of them. You know, I I tend to get into like a pattern where i need like a movie to fall asleep to. Yes. And that has uh ranged from Greta Gerwig's Little Women yes. to The Shining uh was a big one for a long time. Uh y- y- Silence of the Lambs was a big one for a long time and The Fabelmans. <laughs> my current fall asleep movie
0: <laughs> it makes perfect sense it's the perfect movie to anchor yourself to like true rest after you've watched it like exactly. very very presently um exactly. i probably have two more viewings of this um <laughs> that i have to that i have to do pretty soon with like my dad or someone no. like you know we're we're dealing with family stuff yeah, watching um,
1: with a parent is a a different experience I have found.
0: Oh god. I absolutely oh loved god. this movie. Um so much.
1: Well, before we get into it too oh, deep, yes, I think of that course. we need to get a little a little warmed up.
0: Oh, we absolutely have to a stretch. We are We are in our 30s. (laughs) We we
1: are. We are all old. (laughs) Uh, Let's limber up. Before we really stretch ourselves in this conversation, I think that we need to do the sexy trivia game. Uh Michael, can you get us started?
0: It would be an honor and a privilege to get you listeners slick for some movie chatting with... A little, little bit of tidbits. Mm. I'll uh, kick us off. Mm. According to Paul Dano, the shot of Sammy Fableman seeing his reflection in the mirror filming with his camera during Burton and Mitzi's announcement of their, divor- their divorce wasn't initially scripted as the film's iconic shot of young Sammy projecting the image of his first eight millimeter film onto his hands. Oh my God. That wasn't scripted? Uh, No, didn't. Wow, what a director.
1: Spielberg, he's a master at this
0: He really is a master (laughs) of his craft.
1: He understands the film.
0: He really just, it's that simple.
1: Ooh, Mark, I think Uh, that you gotta give us uh, number B.
0: Oh, please.
3: Mm. I'm gonna do this in my normal voice because I've been told that my normal voice is very sexy.
2: It is. Agreed.
3: (laughs) During the Q&A at an Oscar qualifying screening for the film on November 7th, 2022, A Very Sexy Day in History, Mm. Steven Spielberg revealed that it took three weeks to convince David Lynch to be a part of the film, with Tony Kushner's husband, Mark Harris, taking credit for suggesting to Lynch, suggesting Lynch to Spielberg and Laura Dern calling Lynch numerous (laughs) times to get him to commit. There is a connection here, of course, because Mm -hmm. Laura Dern has, in addition to working with David Lynch, starred in Steven Spielberg's Jurassic Park as a scientist, a (laughs) very sexy lady scientist. (laughs) In response, Lynch said he would take it as long as there were bags of Cheetos, the sexiest snack on set as (laughs) refreshments. I'll do it. (laughs)
1: Well, Mark, thank you for using your normal voice, because now I gotta go change my pants. (laughs) What a sexy voice, my god. (laughs) That That was fabulous. But number C is Steven Spielberg didn't think of the final camera movement until the day the scene was shot. Mm. Okay. Wow. So no, that final shot, guys. Camera, yeah,
3: beautiful. Can uh. we,
1: uh can well, we just leave just the it? fact oh, that he
3: can set it up so that he gets an entire multiplex audience to laugh at a meta-filmmaking joke about camera positioning and camera movements. Yes. Like, he's really- perfect so perfect. He's, yes. he's, so he's, he perfect. has cultivated an audience that is ready to follow him into, like, the weeds of his craft in a way that, like, I think is- as we get farther and farther from movie making as a thing that humans do, mm-hmm. um, or at least like humans whose names we know and who are, <laughs> um, yeah, uh, it uh, that we we see we we're able to like appreciate and understand like this gesture of authorship that is. Mm-hmm. And of personality, and of history, and of personal growth that is conveyed through a camera movement, and we know who's we know who's doing it, and we know who he is, and I think it's really it's really exciting to see that with an audience to realize that people are literally laughing in pleasure mm-hmm. and recognition at a camera movement, at like a te- at a very te- at a technical aspect of cinematography. I think that's fair. That's inspiring. It gives me hope.
1: No, same. And I, I think that, you know, it's easy to, like, you know, I don't think anyone does it anymore because of the state of the industry now that we're mm-hmm. like, Spielberg is our last hope. But, I you know, I think in the past when people were, you know, like, ah, Spielberg, he's, like, you know, the face of, you know, this movement towards, you know, blockbuster cinema or, or whatever. But, like, I do think that, like, that last shot is, like, such a it almost feels like a, like a sort of like calling card of like how he manages to he he makes art of being accessible because like that that you know maybe should be a sort of like wink wink like inside joke to to people who like understand cinema but like he he set it up so specifically along the way like I mean he had the scene with John Ford like he had the whole discussion about the horizon and then like he makes it very accessible that like even if you're not like a film person at the end you, you get can it. see like the camera move and you're like he you're like, did the thing with the, the thing. horizon
2: Whoa! <laughs>
1: And it and he does it so like gracefully but he makes it like so so accessible and so immediate you know
3: so maybe you could say that this is a film about the power of movies.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, I, I know that, like, a lot of us, like, you know, film nerds have been like, it's not about the power of movies. It's about, oh, it, like, ruined this life and blah, 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 blah. But, like it yeah. is in a he lot would have of found ways
3: some other way about, to ruin yeah. his life if he hadn't if his parents had given him a different toy
1: yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> like, it is in a way like about like how we all just like have this like sort of, like innate reaction to a beautifully made film you know yeah. like oh geez
3: yeah i think so, i think also so I... like what's interesting about like is he's what's the what's the line from the uh the the IM, this imdb synopsis explores how the power <laughs> of films can help him see that i don't know like help him yeah. see the truth this yeah. is a film about like how um the parents of boomers did everything for their children and got them mm. everything that they ever wanted God. and how mm. they used that there's a line like the architecture critic lewis mumford described um post-war suburbia as a child-centered environment and yep. so and and so this is and that and then this is this film the Fablements, takes place like in the 40s 50s 60s really on the cusp of like because they graduate he graduates from high school in 64 so it's like right, right before like the major like the Gulf of Tonkin incident and the major um escalation in vietnam so we're looking this is a film about like the sort of how like these kids these parents bought this kid all these toys all this progressively more expensive cameras and how he taught himself through through their indulgences to turn against them uh yeah before uh, right in time for like the late 60s so i think so that's kind of a fun subtext for me for that film. And so so I guess it is about the power of movies to Yeah um
1: No, that's that's such a like an interesting point that I had not really thought about before. That like this generation of filmmakers, the like the Spielbergs, the Coppolas, the you know, the George Lucases, like that they yeah, had this like very sort of like cushy childhood mm. and like this very sort of like protected childhood and then as they were adults because I, you know I often think of them as like you know coming up in like the Vietnam era and stuff but like no they were they were kind of shielded from it yeah Yeah, and then became adults in that era
3: yeah I mean technically I think Spielberg is born is not technically I I don't think Spielberg is a boomer he's born before the war is over but close enough um he grew up in that he grew up in that child-centered environment Mm
4: -hmm. and I
3: mean his films are very child centered environments too. So he really, yeah. he really does want to go back. And um, so like, yeah, I mean, I think this I'm, I'm quoting like my own review now as I am want to do because I figured out what I wanted to say and I said it and now I'll say it again. Uh, but the sort of the sort of fall from the Eden of a, mm-hmm. of a, of like a post-war childhood is, that camping trip out uh, they, they go into the woods they go into the forest and it's mm-hmm.
2: this beautiful
3: innocent garden of family joy and his mother is dancing in uninhibited and um and then there is the fall the fall from eden and he and in many ways and obviously he has used his very his films in, in various ways at various times to sort of regain in some way that sense of Mm. innocence and unity and family and uh so yeah so there is there is both like a powerful uh sense of nostalgia and guilt for his part and how it all turned out and yeah and and, yeah and one and and yeah the child-centered environment of the fablements is a very rich place to to be
1: right and I, i i think it's like a bit of a cliche at this point but like I, you know, I, I do think of, like, the Fablemans and AI as sort of, wow. like, you know, parallel movies of, you know, this sort of, like, seemingly Edenic, but, you know, there are rumblings of the the trauma that is to come and then, like, yeah. the fall from that. Like, Yeah. It, 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 it's really interesting seeing his like earlier film because i mean he's so like blatant about like his his family history in this movie but like that the fact that it's been kind of like peppered in all of his movies leading up to this
3: mm-hmm. oh yeah uh it's yeah. a um a i know we'll get into pairings later but uh a friend of mine's joke is that um a great a great feature a great like retrospective would be just the Fablements every night in double feature, <laughs> double featured with a different Spielberg movie. That's so, you, so
0: fucking brilliant. You, this
3: is, um, this is my friend Dan Schindel's, uh line. It's like, yeah, you just watch the Fablements and then you watch literally any Spielberg movie. <laughs> Honestly, even, even Amistad. And you're like, Ooh, yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> I was thinking that as I was
3: watching, I was like, fuck, he's touched a lot
0: of stuff over time. Like I could definitely go for like a Jaws fablements yeah. or like yeah. a color purple fablements
1: mm-hmm. oh my oh color purple is such a good call oh my Cause god one yeah. thing that
0: I, like I don't I, I'm like such a layperson when it comes to uh, Steven Spielberg like history like I've seen a lot of his movies but I don't really I don't I, I'm just kind of like a guy watching stuff and <laughs> like one thing that kind of there's a question that I don't know the answer to and I hope that y'all could help me like figure it out is like what makes uh steven spielberg such a great director um Mm. is he known to be like a empathetic person or like an extremely empathetic person
1: well i think that it's changed over the years right i feel like for a long time he had the reputation of being such a great um like technical filmmaker yeah and i think it's only in like maybe the last you know, decade or so that he's been reclaimed as like having like a real interesting emotional point of view. Like, what do you think Mark?
3: Well, he grew up with these, he grew up with new tools. He's a digital is whatever the celluloid equivalent of a digital native is because as mm. the right. talks about, he is the first is among like the first people who he was right at the right age to, for the development of uh, consumer grade, Filmmaking technologies Mm -hmm. And he got his hands on them as a kid And so I think that he is more recognizably Humanist Now that we have fully assimilated
4: The technology
3: (laughs) through which He assimilated his humanity So like a lot of critics who were older than him Because he was quite young Famously when he started (laughs) Thought of him as this Immature gearhead And now that
1: How old was he when he did that Columbo episode? Like 25 that's insane. Even maybe oh even God. younger. Um, yeah, he might have been like like twenty one or something. It's crazy. Yeah, he
3: was very. He was. He's. Yeah. So like, so obviously, any older people are looking at this kid who expresses himself most <laughs> fluently through in the like through the apparatus of like highly technical filmmaking are going to not right. see. The person there, but now that, like, but now that, now that he made the world that we grew up in, basically, Mm right? Because we did, because he did. We all grew up with, yeah, right, watching movies that were either made by him or made by people who were produced, learned from him, yeah, yeah. And so now it makes, because we have found, because we have always located our own humanity within that and within him, (laughs) it seems much clearer,
2: yeah,
3: that he's empathetic. Well, as, well, as, I, as he, you know, he, he has to make some choices, which we'll get into. Right. Yeah. Right.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I wonder, like, how much of it is uh, us as viewers, you know, coming to that conclusion, and how much is that, like, he's changed as a filmmaker, you know? Right. Like, I can't imagine, like, you know, like a 90s Spielberg making something like The Fablemans, you know?
3: Yeah. I, I think that there's also, like, Things have happened in his personal life as he's gotten older. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's he's had he's been married, been divorced, been married. He's raised kids. Right. He's, ra- he's yeah. raised, I think, presumably grandkids. Mm-hmm. Um, he's 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 you know he's changed a lot as a person in the time that he's mm-hmm. been that he's been that he's been making movies. So it does seem natural that like the guy who the guy who made Temple of Doom is not the same guy who then married the woman from temple of doom and raised right. kids with her <laughs> right. like it's just, a, it's just a he's just a different person he's a different guy yeah <laughs> um i do
0: have a question that i i would like for y'all to unpack a little bit just give me the synopsis hmm. steven spielberg did a fucking colombo episode
2: yeah
3: he did what? like the first one after it I was think, yeah up. the pilot yeah right? not the what not the but it wasn't the pilot it was after the pilot it was like there was a one-off tv movie and then it was mm. and then right. they did like part of like the nbc sunday night mystery and mm. i think he did the very first one with this is going to be so embarrassing if i'm wrong but i'm pretty sure it's the <laughs> one with jack cassidy as the is jack cassidy i'm yes, pretty fucking yes, sure jack a yes, mystery I, author who like Uses one yes. of his old plots to murder his writing yes. partner. I fucking yeah. love yeah. that episode. Yeah, that's like, oh, oh my, my god, god. By the book, that's right? also- Yeah, yeah, it's great. Yeah,
1: yeah, uh, and Jack Cassidy, famous Broadway guy, so we- good, so famous, good, and she loves me. Famous the original Dick broadcast, slinger, if, uh,
3: if Shirley's uh, memoir is to be believed, <gasps> really?
2: really, ooh
1: i love okay i'm gonna have to read
3: this (laughs) we gotta talk about
0: jack cassidy one of these fucking days
1: no listen oh my god him and she loves me i think he was in the uh 72 revival of oklahoma i believe he was curly in that he he's he's a fucking stud dude honestly
0: (laughs) oof god this is a hard uh left but we got to talk about the whole Cassidy family now I'm just going into a rabbit hole Uh, I'm a big Partridge family fan so um we got to talk about his brother David as well yeah or son David rather um oh god amazing
3: (laughs) it's probably best if we we you should save any Columbo discussion I think though for Another podcast with somebody,
1: or if we do a a Columbo special someday,
0: we should do a Columbo special. It's why we, it's why we even do this in the first place. Without Columbo, I mean, yeah, where would we be, Shelley? Yeah, we're
1: we're Peter Falk freaks. Yeah. (laughs) Well, so then, Mark, do you remember? Uh, to get back to Judd Hirsch, do you remember? Like when you first saw Judd. I remember vividly. Oh, yeah. yes.
3: Um, well, I was uh, I was a Nick at Night kid. Um, oh, yes. So this is in like the mid to late night, the second Clinton administration. And <laughs> this is uh, around the time when a lot of the stuff that was being syndicated was 60s, 70s stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And so I became a big fan of mm-hmm. a wonderful sitcom called taxi which as i was talking about with you guys is surely in some ways the urtext for everyone is hot just some unbelievably uh uh swarthy curly haired balding charismatic um you've got like because they sort of have like jeff conway and tony danza's like the hot dumb guys but like amidst all of that you have um
1: We're going to talk about Andy Kaufman someday. (laughs) Andy
0: Kaufman,
3: Danny fucking Vito, of course Judd Hirsch. Christopher Lloyd uh, I
1: talked about Defito.
3: Ah, uh, Christopher Lloyd. Christopher mm. Lloyd as, as Reverend Jim in like the double, de- double or sometimes triple denim and the stubble and yeah. the wild hair, <laughs> looking like. I did like a joke post about the cast of Taxi being, um, <laughs> sort of like in the way that people now thirst after like '70s sex symbols, like oh, you yeah, know, yeah. like Al Pacino and Serpico was really sneaky hot. You're like, no, Al Pacino <laughs> and Serpico. Did you know that Robert De Niro man. was yeah, a yeah, good yeah. guy? Like if you really <laughs> want to go down that route, I think you have to look at christopher lloyd and danny <laughs> devito and andy kaufman and john taxi yes. yeah and also like and also like the most one of the most beautiful relationships in all television between mm, andy kaufman yeah. and carol kane as Lotka yeah. and simka oh, where God. she comes on the show and has to do basically what maria um balakova had to do in the second borat movie where like this guy is like has this very established farman character and you have to like get on his wavelength um mm. and she's just zany and wonderful, and has enormous hair, and looks kind of like a starving Victorian child. And is Ugh. there's a she has a wonderful um, episode with Jud Hirsch where um, she because Andy Kaufman has a number of different characters on the show, and Latka sometimes goes into a disassociative fugue where he becomes a radio DJ called Ferrari. This what is a, a, a fun, what fucking a great show. television like, program. These are all taxi is- drivers. I don't like. <laughs> <laughs> but in the midst of all of that, um, so they're married. So Laka and Simka, mar- like Carol Kane and Andy Kaufman, are married. But she has sex with her husband when he's in what a diff- when he's a different when he's a different character, yeah. and so like due to the honor of their made up foreign country that they're both from, <laughs> she has to now she's like she has to somehow like she has, like he's she, like she has to like sleep with somebody else so she picks Judd Hirsch and like goes over to his apartment and tries to seduce him and just screams like peel me like a grape so i can get out of here and yeah. and it's a um a wonderful television show about about New York City and um based on a Mark Jacobson article from New York Magazine about how all In of no these way. from the 70s yeah about how all of these cabbies are like people who like aspire to be um, artists or do different things. And so if Mm -hmm. you watch like the pilot of Taxi, like uh, Judd Hirsch introduces all of the characters on it. And he's like Mm -hmm. that woman over there, the wonderful Mary Lou Henner subject for a future. (laughs) Everyone is hot episode. He's like, she's saving up to start an art gallery. That guy over there, he's an actor, Jeff Conway, that guy over there, he's a prize fighter, Tony Danza. And he Mm -hmm. goes like, and then he goes me. I'm a cabbie
2: yeah so he's
3: always like the center of the sort of like skeptical center around which all of this zaniness moves and he's mm. sort of like and he's very hammy too because he can like really yeah. like amp up he can he can act with his eyebrows and he can be sarcastic and toss out one-liners <laughs> and be very like and be a little and be very sticky but he's yeah. also sort of like the um the still point in the in the turning world where like all of these crazy things are happening to him and his um and carol kane is trying to have sex with him because she had sex with her husband when he was a <laughs> dj and like and all and but he's also like but he's like he's the relatable guy he's the surrogate mm. while also yeah. being having this sort of like like hammy extravagant sticky um persona which is interesting well, a duality that-
1: that's an interesting yeah that duality is like a really interesting thing cuz like we talked about you know we're going to focus on him in the fablemans where he's like playing this like larger than life character that he's you know he's only on screen for a few minutes but he leaves like such a huge
4: impression
1: yeah. but we also talked about him in you know ordinary people and he's so understated and simple in that role and like the fact that he can like bridge the gap between those two types of performances is like pretty incredible i think
3: i think it's really like um in some ways like it it's the sort of like literary observer like author surrogate Mm. standby type but also which is slightly something of an outsider type which is a little bit of like which is a little bit of like a which is a little bit of, I think, like a Jewish type being sort of yeah. like mm. the outsider observer of all of this zaniness, and especially in ordinary mm. people, which like we can yeah. certainly get into, and I think will be a lot of fun to talk about. Um, mm. And also, but at the same time, there's this sort of like um, earthy, like expressive, larger than life Jewish tradition that he's working through, and um, mm. and in and there's a little, and in so taxi, he's maybe doing a little bit of both but especially being um reactive and observant and in uh, in ordinary people he's doing both and in the fablements he's being um sort of like this um old world old country kind of like yeah. um <laughs> legendary like figure from like a very ethnic past and like yeah. in the more recent in other more recent roles like that sort of like ethnic heritage is sort of assimilated into being like yeah a like turns into like, an, like an
1: ib singer story like, yeah yeah <laughs> he comes in yeah
3: um but yeah and uh, but in the Fa- but fableman's is oh he shows up and he's just so he's so hammy and it's a little bit like in the wonderful running on empty where he plays he's doing all of where like, he's a red diaper baby and he's doing all of these russian voices and <laughs> um and being like sort of this overpoweringly like Swarthy, swaggering uh kind of guy, and in the fablement, he shows up and he's in the room with Sammy, and he's just like he's wearing like the undershirt and the white underwear, and he's like yeah. doing all of this really extravagant like circus strongman stuff, and he's also like, "I'm gonna sleep on the floor for art," and then he's like, li- and yeah. he's like, "My
1: sister died."
3: Yeah, I'm sitting shivering, and he's like, and he's like like getting onto the floor and it takes him forever and he's
2: he's making all these
3: old man noises because like yeah he's like it's a very and he gets into this a little bit in um in showing up too, where like longevity is like is so inspiring because like he's still Mm. like at the same time that he's being like a little like weird and prickly and old man and she's also being like a little bit like i think that woman was flirting with me um (laughs) so there's a bit of like and so and there's a bit of that in the fablements where it's a combination of like this sort of like um extravagant and sort of knowingly performative personality that he's Mm -hmm. still like putting out there while at the same time like and is very open about but is also very open about the ways in which his body is failing but he's not going to let that deter him from sleeping on the floor no matter how many times he has to grunt and by the way they don't show it they don't show this in the Fablemans I don't think but like he would have had a very hard time getting up (laughs) from the floor from oh, God. as an 87 year old man sleeping on the floor all night like yeah they would have like had, they would have to have the whole family in there to get him back <laughs> <lift> up, him <laughs> up. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but honestly i mean i think that is one of the things that is like so magical about the performance to me is that like he's got this like physical control that like he's got the you know he's like sitting on the edge of the bed and he's like sobbing and then sammy <laughs> says something to me he's like what i shouldn't be upset that my sister yeah. died? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> and he just like snaps out of it so quickly and it's like that's a fucking like master actor. Yeah. well that's like, an he...
3: entertainer that's a guy who's always like yes. been in this sort of like outsider reposition and like has sort of found his way into it into that uh, permission to be in to be in whatever space he's in by mm-hmm. by developing a shtick.
1: Yeah, yeah. He's got his
3: timings down.
1: No, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and like he's just got like such control of his like you know if we you know it it's his
3: instrument. Yeah, his, his instrument. His, his... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel like gross being like his, his yeah, instrument. His <laughs> instrument, <laughs> but, it's,
1: but it's true. I mean, like, oh, the like, the, I think that's what really like. Throws me for a loop when I like watch his scenes in this movie is that like he just like he knows his body so well, so he can had, just like mm. flip from you know a, a mood to a mood, it, from expression to expression. It's it's incredible.
0: I, I had to watch the shit like two times, yeah. uh, that that his whole like presence on screen because it's like, oh god, um, like I, I'm kicking myself for not seeing this in the theater, <laughs> oh god, oh. because. It three uh, times oh the god, theater. you you got to see this man's 87-year-old shredded fucking arms. Like the most <laughs> alive fucking guns I've ever I, I've seen in like a long time. And those um, arms
1: with like the old man belly. Ugh.
0: Oh
3: god. Like beautiful. Just like snowy white chest hair. Uh, yes. It's just like it's a very like, yeah, like it's somehow still, still swarthy, even though it's all gray, it's all gray. Like it's just yes. it's very it's like it's very it's very earthy and it's yeah. very and like the the very expressive un like uncombed untrimmed eyebrows. Oh. Like people 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 think they have big eyebrows now. Nah. No. Nah. No. <laughs> nah. Not but until really- not until they're like not until start they start disagreeing end- with each other. Until- <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: Oh, my God. And the earthy is, like, such a big thing. because like, seeing him eat in the movie. It's, like...
0: God, See him uh, eat that fucking turkey. Oh, my (laughs) God.
1: I You know, I I always, like, (laughs) go back to, you know, the first time I read uh, Anna Karenina, I was always, like, attracted to Steva, uh, her brother. Because, like, he's... That is a man with, like, an appetite, you know? Like, just, like, this lust for life. It's, like, he's always eating. He's always fucking. He's always, like, you know jacking off and you know so doesn't say he was jacking off but like you can read between the lines yeah and like and i i think that like judd hirsch in this movie has that quality where you're like this is a man of appetites you know yeah
3: this is um he's the id um yes and i think that uh it's and that's such a big part of like um two it's two very two of his very effective movies in the 80s um like in running on empty like the premise is that he and christine lottie are Mm -hmm. radicals and on the run and raising a family on the run ever since like this not weather underground but weather underground bombing (laughs) and Mm -hmm. like he is basically like the he's like the the young, like the Jewish campus radical with the, with the big eye with like the dark, dark eyebrows and yeah. <laughs> compromising beliefs who like lured Christine Lottie away from her waspy family. Her dad, by the way, is played by Stephen Hill who, <laughs> um, who quit, uh, Mission Impossible because uh he refused to film on Shabbos, so that's like right. a whole weird like, <laughs> thing. And he's got like a white hairpiece and like a white mustache, and you're like, but it's Stephen Hill. He's like famously it's Adam Schiff from Law and Order, like playing the waspy dad who's like, I can't believe you went off with that Jew. It's very funny. Um, and it's a wonderful, wonderful film. But like the whole idea is that he he like he freed her from the constraints of. Yeah. of waspiness and yeah and this is obviously um uh the point as well of of ordinary people
1: well i was gonna say that's like a really interesting sort of like leap to ordinary people yeah. it's like we've got judd hirsch being the sort of like radical in that movie uh and you know then that reminds me of the way we were yeah you know it's uh redford and streisand where she's like the radical who kind of tries to conform to like the waspy niceness and then redford directed ordinary people well
3: yeah and also like i was thinking the the movie that i was thinking about during ordinary people is um quiz show which also sets up this opposition between
2: Mm-hmm. Rafe
3: fines and right judd hirsch's tv son from numbers rob morrow mm-hmm. who yes, was like yes, in the 90s yes. was on like northern exposure with the premise of yeah, exactly. which is like what if special Not agent dale Rubens cooper and like so yeah so and redford as like the golden boy mm-hmm. um be in uh in hollywood being very interested in the relationship between jews and wasps through like the yeah. way we were quiz show and in um and in ordinary people you get really the sense of like psychoanalysis being of course a Jewish invention.
2: Right, yeah. right. So yeah. he's
3: the one who teaches um that family how to how to feel. And
2: Yeah. It's
3: like a very reserved and this is why I said it's sort of a hybrid between like the performative and the reactive, because mm-hmm. um because the way that he teaches Tim Hutton to like get in touch with his grief in um in that movie, it's like um, And just for anyone who hasn't seen Ordinary People, the premise of the movie is the wrong kid died. And uh, <laughs> long before Walk Hard, uh, there was Ordinary People. And, of, and long before John C. Riley in Walk Hard, there was Tim Hutton in Ordinary People. And long before <laughs> Raymond Berry in Walk Hard, there was Mary Tyler Moore in Ordinary People telling Tim Hutton basically over and over again, the wrong kid died, Go the on. wrong yeah. kid died. And... And the way that, um, and the way that she, and the way that like Judd Hirsch teaches Timothy Hutton to like get in touch with his grief and his anger is like, um, so I saw Phantom of the Opera recently for the first time and I was really struck oh, really? by, oh. I was really struck by the way that like the Phantom of the Opera like teaches Christine Daae to sing like, she starts singing. She goes, ah, oh, and he goes, sing! sing, and, sing she, and she sings, she sings, like, <laughs> she sings, like, louder and higher every time yeah. he screams at her. So and, funny. like, that's basically, like, what Judd Hirsch does as a therapist. <laughs> He's like, feel, yes? and Tim Hutton's like, I feel sad. He's like, no, feel more! And, Brave. Like, <laughs> and Tell like, me you're he sad. he literally says at one point, come on, go deeper! And, like, I don't a yes. friend of mine, like, is in a form of dynamics, like, psychoanalysis that when she described it to me i was like that doesn't sound real but like i guess it's like kind of what judd hirsch is doing in um
2: and in,
3: uh in uh <laughs> in ordinary people and like i don't know like he told the story on like seth myers about how like there's like the big scene at the end where he and tim hutton hug and judd hirsch was trying to tell robert redford like yeah, therapists don't hug and redford was like this one does and, yes. <laughs> oh <laughs> and
2: so God. that's we'll like be- i don't know
3: like i guess that's like redford go- like thinking back on like working with babs on the way we were like so this is how like this is how our two people interact wow. the- this
1: whole movie it's like okay that's not really like how like therapy works but he's like <laughs> but like for like a wasp who has never said their feelings out loud they're like yes just yell at me and tell oh me to God. say it's <laughs> true uh, oh my god! So Michael, you you had some like strong feelings about this movie, right?
0: Oh my god! So I watched this movie in a strange way. Um, <laughs> I uh, I tried to uh, watch it all in one go, but I got frustrated. I was like, I I why? Like I couldn't connect with any of the characters. I don't know. I I am like, as I've said many a time, I'm hardwired to hate the rich, um, and so. <laughs> Uh, that felt like a, a mountain that I could not climb. So I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Let me just watch the Fablemans. It's <laughs> been a minute. And so I watched the Fablemans. Uh, I had my my shit, my internal shit realigned. Um, and then I watched the rest of Ordinary People today. And I felt very differently. And I was like, God damn it, Michael. Like, why was your heart so closed to these characters? <laughs> Um, we're all beings having a human experience. We're all just doing our goddamn best. And uh, Judd Hirsch, uh, I'm like, this guy, not even a real therapist, but in these <laughs> therapy scenes, I'm like, oh, that's why they have that problem. That's why I have that problem. <laughs> and uh, honestly, he humanized these these rich people for me. Um, and yeah, I, I, I loved it, especially as a pairing with... Uh, with uh the fablemans um uh, you know and the the themes of like complicated mom relationships i i just uh mm.
3: and but, also and yeah. the um the relationship between jews and gentiles as in like oh, the wonderful God. like pairing of uh uh G- gable bell and chloe east as like yes. jesus was A handsome young
1: Jewish boy just like you.
3: He was a Jewish boy just like you. Which is kind of what like Donald Sutherland almost says to Judd Hirsch when he goes to therapy in in North America. So weird. Yeah.
0: Oh God.
1: No, and it's so funny because like in the Fablemans, then it ends up being like flipped that, you know, she's a joke in the beginning where she's like, you know, Jesus was a you know, Jewish boy just like you. But at the end, like he's like putting all this shit on her and she's just like no I can't I can't do this like yeah you, you are asking too much of me like it it's really fascinating that like you know he in in ordinary people like Judd Hirsch plays like kind of like the magical Jew who <laughs> can like, solve all your problems yeah and in in the Fablemans she's like listen I know I'm like a, a joke to you but like I, yeah. I'm not I can't solve your problems
3: yeah yeah um it's also yeah like thinking now of of Michelle Williams announcing with the monkey clattering around in the background <laughs> i've started therapy yeah uh,
1: <gasps> my favorite she's
3: fucking amazing in the movie. entire movie she's so good <laughs> it's like don't yeah like would have if if Mary Tyler Moore had said that in ordinary people shit would have gone down differently yeah
2: <laughs>
1: so what what do you both think about the scene in the hallway in the fablemans with the you know awful like golden boy
3: well, I struggled with some of the some of the California stuff and the high school anti semitism. Um, yeah. yeah, because I wasn't sure that it was as like it didn't fe- it didn't necessarily feel as real to me. But maybe that's just mm. like my own sort of like ear for what that stuff sounds like being calibrated yeah. differently. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I agree with you though. But I also but it pays off so incredibly in that scene, and I think that like. And because the 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 Aryan uh, the Aryan Golden Boy is uh, such a um, it's, it's basically like the, it's basically like Hollywood like Hollywood executives looking at Redford and being <laughs> yeah. like you're everything that I'm not interesting <laughs> yeah. and him yeah. looking at and him looking at at Sammy Fableman, like Robert Redford looked at like Judd Hirsch and being like mm-hmm. you know things that I don't. Mm-hmm. and so there is this really like interesting i mean it's such a it's such a beautiful scene like yeah. and the kid and like and sammy Fableman saying like i mean i made you look like you could fly yeah. it's just such a beautiful saying, i don't know line why i
1: did it the like... camera
3: sees what it sees <laughs> which is such a funny admission from such a gifted and in control filmmaker mm-hmm, for him to mm-hmm. for him to claim that for him to claim that he that he's making, like,
1: I mean, I a think documentary that's and finding his Kushner. story in the
3: edit. It. Yeah, it's got to be. Um, but wow. Yeah. yeah. I mean, well, the other Kushner influence in that movie is, like, because every, like, movie that Kushner has written for <laughs> Spielberg is, like, about these two perfect, like opposites that both have their reasons and are both like both have to be sort of, both have to get get like really stirring speeches about why why they why they are the way they are and why they want the, the right they want whether it's the sharks and the jets or the israelis or the palestinians or yeah. samian mm-hmm. or like mitzi and bert fableman they all like that's why you get the playwright so that he can calibrate the morality perfectly and give them get yeah. give everybody like the rhetoric to really like get their flawed but deeply held like ideas across. Yeah. Yeah. Uh yeah. the uh,
0: it it was uh I I don't, I don't know. Like that last part probably took me a while to get into the dialogue. I don't know. Like just because of the way my brain is, I'm like very cynical. And I had <laughs> to like like remind myself, Michael, you're watching a fucking movie. Like it's a fucking <laughs> it's a fucking movie. Like the dialogue sounds like this because it was written by Tony fucking Kushner, who writes <laughs> plays. So, like, open your goddamn mind and heart. Um, but yeah, it scratched like the the melodrama itch um, for me. Um, like, I don't know. I I, I haven't seen uh, West Side Story yet, but <gasps> I definitely I definitely felt the influence of like, oh, this motherfucker loves West Side Story.
3: Um, Wait,
1: Mark, have you seen Musa's? Yeah,
3: it's really interesting to see like Ariana DeBose's pre-Baftas work
1: <laughs> before uh, Angela Bassett did the thing.
3: <laughs> well, before Angela Bassett, before the thing had ever even occurred to Angela Bassett, she was uh, Maybe Anita do the the wonderful. Anita, <laughs> she was
2: incredible.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, Michael, you will. No, love I'm Musa's story. Oh my God, did did you like the movie, Mark?
3: Oh yeah, I think um the songs were in the right order for the first time
1: yeah oh moving cool yeah
3: yeah because the show the stage (laughs) show and the the stage show and the movie like move a few things Mm -hmm. have have the songs and like in like different orders and in both cases there's at least one song and cool is one of them that's like right in the wrong place and Mm -hmm. um in uh and they finally really figured it out in huh. um yeah in West Side and Rita moreno they...
1: doing um uh somewhere that was amazing i i
3: watch, thought I, I was very conflicted about Rita Moreno singing somewhere because really? on the one hand, it was so like she's this connection to this incredible legacy of cinema that i mm. we are that I treasure so much and that we're losing a little bit of every day. Mm -hmm. And for her (laughs) to like be 90 years old and looking back implicitly on this, on the movie that made her and thinking about the passage of time and her sense of longing Mm -hmm. is so beautiful. But at the same time, like, it really screws up the ending. If like, if like Marina, Maria, haven't sang, Somewhere, and it's like, and like poor Rachel Zegler, because like the prettiest girl in high school has been singing somewhere in gyms since 1960. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I, I'm sorry, and I feel bad for her that she didn't get the same consideration because which I assume I
1: was the the one soprano in high school singing that song. (laughs) 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 No, it's no, that's true, but yeah, I, I, I think that like yeah Kushner made some like very I think interesting changes to the script in a way that like made me very excited because it's like okay like you know if you are adapting a musical to a film like you can get you know a a little loose with it Mm.
3: (laughs) yeah I mean it's also like if you watch West Side Story and we're like well, they couldn't make this movie today. It's like, well, no, but they can make this one, which they can make this yeah, one, yeah, very similar <laughs> and and it makes some... oh, yeah, the
1: opening is like, did you know gentrification is bad?, <laughs> it's
3: yeah. like, oh. but that's it but it's all like it's all there in the original text, like... no,
1: yeah, exactly, but like I like that like they they made a move to be like, okay, we're making this for our contemporary audience. Oh, I love the fact that like it had. Uh, one of its first screenings at Lincoln Center, oh, and yeah. the movie opens with them being like, hey, we're gonna open up, you know, Lincoln Center and it's gonna fuck up our neighborhood.
3: Lincoln Center <laughs> has a big San Juan Hill mural on the side of one of the buildings now. It's their sort of version of an indigenous land acknowledgement, mm. and I mean, I guess there's, like, some interesting archival work they're doing around, like, the San Juan Hill neighborhood, but yeah. I mean, at a certain... at a, but. it's it's um it is it is complicated to um honor the legacy of the people it is a complicated thing to honor the legacy of the people you displaced yeah Yeah. it's hard to be like a big (laughs) like hollywood movie and be like oh my god i can't believe we did this (laughs) yeah (laughs) we're
1: opening at Lincoln center
3: (laughs) yeah yeah i mean we'll all yeah the new the new one is 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 um I can't wait to see what blind spots eventually show up in the new one. Um, Yeah.
0: Gosh, yeah. That's the real joy of watching a movie age over time. Yeah. And it's like, well,
3: because we all, like, you know, we all, we all, we all thought we were, we're, we're, we're right at the vanguard of history right now. As we speak, we have never had more perspective than we do right now in this moment. Uh, And we won't until ever again, until, you know, tomorrow. And the day after that and the day after that. So it'll be very interesting to see how the new, West Side Story, which was resolves many of the problems of the original text, <laughs> creates more of its own yeah. right. <laughs> issues.
2: <laughs> oh,
1: my gosh. So, Michael, what would you pair with the Fablemans
0: oh, for God. a double bill? Oh, uh, gosh. So many things uh, popped into my mind as I was watching. Um, I got really hooked on the son-mother, the complicated son-mother relationships, and so I mm-hmm. could not stop thinking about uh moonlight and many other uh coming of age movies um right. but for the sake of this episode I think since Judd Hirsch is the focus I'm just going to recommend that uh <laughs> viewers just pair both of these movies with like a chaser uh that <laughs> is uh just any old episode of taxi
3: um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. What about y'all?
1: <laughs> yeah, Mark, what do you think?
3: Well, the film that I the, I have been thinking about the Fablemans a lot in relation to all of the other movies that came out last year about people who made home movies and right. and family albums. So I've been thinking about it a lot in relationship to Annie or the Super Eight Years, which is also about oh, like yes. which is also about the, <gasps> the dissolution of a nuclear family, as captured in home and Super Eight home movies. I've been thinking a lot about um, a lot about it in relation to After Sun uh, and Ooh. the idea of like trying to like look back at films that you shot of your parents and think about like what you can what you can see on film that you couldn't see then when you were filming it. I've been thinking about it a lot in relation to Nan Golden's All the Beauty and the Bloodshed because about like, you know, you know, how what what we what we knew about mental illness and bipolar disorder and all of the and the way in which like the fam the the recordings that you have of people are so are so precious and Which
1: that that actually sorry to interrupt, but no, like so so what what do you guys think about Mitzi? Like do you think she's just like a interesting person or do you think that she's someone who like needs some sort of like you know health care uh Oof. I, I don't know like because i i go back I mean, and forth because healthcare, like health
0: is the first thing that popped into my brain yeah. and uh, like at the end of the movie i was like damn i wonder if she got the help that she needed yeah like um
1: would her life have been different if she had or was she just or I, you know, I think this is, like, a bigger question of, like, what it, what is unwellness and what is just, like, the messiness of being a human, you know?
3: I, I don't know. Well, you don't, I mean, it's interesting because in some ways, like, at that time people were swinging too far in the direction of medicalizing yep, a woman's living. subjectivity, right. which is a huge part of what the Nan Golden movie is about. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like, the portrayal of Mitzi is very similar to like certain sections of, um, of revolutionary road where Yates is describing like Rachel, Mm. like April Wheeler's mood swings. Mm. And you're like, Oh, like this is like, he's writing he's writing it in like 60, in the early sixties and it's set in the mid fifties. And it's like, well, this is Mm. just, these are fairly, whether he knew it or not, like these are like fairly like DSM standard Mm. symptoms of like a very specific um diagnosis that we right. give that we give people medication for that they generally seem to like um yeah to put it like and then you
1: think, like the, the dsm stuff and you're like okay it used to be if you were gay it's like yeah dsm standards so yeah, but our I dsm mean,
3: now I... is fine Yeah, yeah, it was perfectly good. We figured it out. Yeah,
1: (laughs) but yeah, I, 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 you know, having watched the movie so many times, I'm like, I I don't know what, like, what would make a Mitzi happy, you know?
3: Well, Steven Spielberg's mom, as he said on his recent Desert Desert Island Discs, like she married her, she married um, her best friend, Uncle Benny, Uncle Bernie, Mm -hmm. Um, and as Steven Spielberg said, like they were married long he said like yeah my, like my mom married the Seth, Seth Rogan character in real life they were married longer than my parents yeah. were they were mm-hmm. together until he died um yeah. so maybe that's what she needs
2: yeah yeah yeah.
1: yeah. it's like is yeah. it is it situational or is it yeah
3: I
0: think oh god this makes me think of just I don't know the terror of being trapped in a life that truly just like
2: Mm-hmm.
0: it's not for you anymore. But in those times, it like getting a divorce as we, you know, <laughs> was, was not like a fucking mm-hmm. easy th- Rip off the bandaid kind of thing. Like it w- can destroy yeah. your life socially. Um, and it's, Oh God. Ugh. Yeah.
1: Cause the, the scene of her like driving towards the tornado, I'm like, Oh my God, is this someone who needs to be, you know, have some sort of like medical, Intervention, or is this just like a you know a person who is like in a moment of crisis and yeah. like doesn't know how to react? You know, mm. it's yeah. Well, that's it's why a good thing she started good, therapy. Movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm in therapy. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, but yeah, that oh, mm, lots of things to think about. Uh, uh, honestly, I, this.
0: <laughs> Watching The Fablemans forced me to like fucking think about like let's let's think about what happened when you were a child. <laughs> right, I, <laughs> like oh, go back yes to your I journals. Know. What did you write down, Michael? <laughs> like
1: I got back into therapy partially because I was like, "Ooh, Fablemans <laughs> is bringing up a lot of stuff."
0: <laughs> I am watching The Fablemans a lot. <laughs> yeah, It's kind of
1: weird that I watched it six times. <laughs> <laughs> Well, anyway, uh, we do have a little game that we'd like to do. Oh, so excited. Would you guys like to uh, play the What's Judd Got to Do with It game?
3: Yes. I would love nothing more.
0: I would love Um, nothing more. And uh, please release the single uh, whenever you can.
1: What's Uh, Judd? (laughs) Okay, so if you think you know the answer, just say uh, Judd Hirsch. Nice to to, to ding in. Okay, so these are all questions about Judd Hirsch's career. So, number one is most of Judd's (laughs) movie titles are cut, but not this one. Most of Judd's okay, uh, uncut jumps. Yes. Not cut, uncut gems. <laughs>
0: That's the only other recent movie that I know he's in. I, I see, I see Beautiful. How this
1: <laughs> okay, number two, the uber talented cast of this show got a lift from the presence of Judd.
3: Judd Hirsch starred yeah. in <laughs> Taxi. Yeah.
2: Yes. He yes. Was an unknown
3: New York stage actor thrust into the limelight
0: (laughs) (laughs)
1: little known judd hirsch was in taxi and not an uber and Uh, not in lyft
0: (laughs) i i love i love the puns (laughs) (laughs) thank you so much
1: i love the puns so much (laughs) okay number three judd proved to will smith that a world has uh, a catastrophe couldn't be handled independently. <laughs> yes, Michael.
0: I'm sorry. Uh ridiculous uh way for me to I'm having a very uh god. Uh Jud so judd Hirsch Independence uh, Day.
1: Yes. Mm. Yes. And then
3: <laughs> Yes. Uh. It could
1: not be handled independently. It was Independence Day. You had to call on your
3: slightly embarrassing dad to yeah. Mail you
1: out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, number 4. <clears throat> okay, let's go. Judd has an uncredited appearance in this film where Al Pacino is both very hot and dresses like a Kepler elf in one scene in a subway station.
3: Judd Hirsch. What? Judd Hirsch uh one of his first film appearances was an uncredited role in Serpico.
1: Oh Whoa! my god. Yes, 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 Mark.
3: <laughs> I cannot wait to rewatch this. You got to scour this scour the frame for him.
0: Oh god. <laughs> oh
1: my god, so we are tied. This is the tie breaker number oh 5. Okay.
0: I feel like Rosie Perez and White Men Can't Jump. <laughs>
1: oh. Get ready. Okay. Number 5. Judd appears in Shelley's favorite movie by Greta Gerwig's husband which has the same star as question one
3: Judd Hirsch was in um, the Meyerowitz stories Meyerowitz stories
1: (laughs) Mark you fucking killed it great show Mark (laughs) thank you
3: for uh, letting thank you for letting me win uh this, <laughs> no. is my, no. this is my get, this is my 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 select my my topic. So it would have been very embarrassing <laughs> and...
1: you killed it. Oh, oh my god, we are so proud. Mark, you were fucking fantastic. And this was so fun. Thank you
3: guys so much. Yes. Oh
1: my God. Course. So it, c- where can people find you? Can they find you online? They Do you can have events coming up.
3: Uh they can find me on uh on Twitter at uh Mark Ash Parody and uh on Letterboxd at Mark Ash, I think. I don't know. No, for they can sure, find me on Venmo at Mark Dash Ash one. Um <laughs> they can find me uh once or twice a month in the Booth at New York's, at Brooklyn's uh, Spectacle Theater Micro Cinema. Oh, uh,
1: yeah. Uh,
3: and uh, to the, in, in, in lieu of plugging any uh, personal events, which I have none of, I will simply say that our March programming is really strong and really diverse and interesting. And, uh, and it's $5. So you should really. What?
1: Ah, yes. Oh, my God, guys. If you have not been to Spectacle, Go to Spectacle. It is a fucking amazing cinema. And please support indie cinemas. Come on. Uh, oh, and Michael, God. where can people find us?
0: Y'all can find us on all social media at Everyone is Hot Pod. That's Every Number One is Hot Pod. And if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere where you can rate podcasts,
2: please
0: rate us five stars.
1: Okay. And what else should they do?
0: Oh. stay horny $5 <laughs> it's
4: such a good deal